I feel that uh, Malcolm is our teacher. Charles was the teacher's assistant that was meant to be doing this, and I'm the substitute teacher that stepped in to go and do the sermon. Now, like all good substitute teachers, they normally come in and say, right, I've got no idea what you've been doing, so why don't you tell me what you've been doing? And then I'll see if I can make something up. Well, it's not quite as bad as that. We're going to get more productive than that. But it is a question I'm going to start first of all. The, I want to talk about friendships. The, um, and friendships can be a difficult topic to bring up. Because quite often in the church, in many churches, when the subject of friendship comes up, many people, including me, can walk away from that sermon thinking, I've just been beaten up, I'm not doing enough as a friend, and all these different things. Yeah? And that's not the purpose of, of the message today. Uh, it's not to walk away from here thinking, I'm not doing enough, etc. Um, can people give me some examples of friendships in the Bible? Yes, Dan. David and Jonathan? Yeah. That was a strange one. The best friend, what was the best friend Don't take away the sermon, Dan. Just give me the sermon. <laughs> Just give me the, uh, the examples. <laughs> Who else? What other friendships are there in the Bible? I like the friendships Jesus has with Peter mm -hmm. and also John. Yeah. Moses and Aaron. Mary Magdalene and Jesus. Mary Magdalene and Jesus. Okay, there's a few more, and I, I got most of those ones as well, which is good. The um, just gonna run through some of the friendships and what examples they give us, and what we can learn from those friendships. The um, and then. For us to just basically see what we get from that, take it away, and see how we actually think about that within our own friendships, and how it helps us build our own friendships stronger, um, reprioritizes things or doesn't. Um, but it's purely a message to talk through these things and bring out words from the Bible that we can then just dwell on ourselves after this, uh, after this service. So I'll, sp I'll speak about uh, David and Jonathan first, because that came up first. Fortunately, it's also the first one that I've got. Um, the friendship of Jonathan David is an example of sacrificial love. Sacrificial love and loyalty. You know, Jonathan is heir to the throne of Saul. But Saul is worried that David is looking to take over the kingdom. And God has anointed David to do so. And, um, and so Saul sets out with a determination he's going to kill David to stop that from happening. Now, Jonathan, who's Saul's son, knows that this isn't true. He's got a close relationship with David, and he knows David hasn't got ambitions to take over the throne. And so he betrays his father to protect David. Uh, Jonathan and David make a promise to each other that should David ever take over the throne in the future, he won't harm Jonathan or Jonathan's family. Now, many years later, Saul and Jonathan die in a battle. They die in the same battle. Um, and after that, there's some fighting that goes on between David's uh, army and the remains of Saul's army. And eventually David is anointed king. Yeah. Later on, once he's settled in and he's got stuff going, as it detailed in uh, 2 Samuel verse 9, David yearns to honour his friend Jonathan 
and asked his officials, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? So I'm now the king. I want to make sure we extend kindness out to all the people under Saul's reign out of kindness for what Jonathan did with me. When discovering that uh, Jonathan had a son remaining who was crippled, David effectively adopted him as his own to care and look after him. He brought him into the palace. He gave him all the lands back that belonged to Saul. Uh, all, everything that belonged to Saul was given back to Jonathan, his, uh, the people that, uh, sorry, to Jonathan's son. Um, the people that were under him were all given instruction on what to go and do and to ensure that uh, um, his estate, etc., was all protected and looked after. And because he was crippled, then David actually invited him, which he accepted, to stay at the palace and stay with him and be <coughs> part of his court. It's a sign of genuine love can be seen by the loyalty that we have for each other. And that's a display of genuine love. It's the, it's the loyalty that we have for each other through thick and thin, whatever happens. And even though things can go wrong, whereby there can be separation for times, loyalty still maintains itself. So loyalty is one thing for friendship. Another one is um, Elisha and Elijah. Although it's a friendship, it's more of a mentoring uh, relationship which turned more into a friendship. Okay, so Elijah was Elisha's mentor. But each of them cared for each other. They cared for each other's well-being and considerate of the other's feelings, even when it caused them more heartache. An example of this is Elijah's acceptance of Elisha's commitment to being with him when Elijah himself knew he was going to be going to leave this earth and he didn't really want Elisha to be around when that happened out of his feelings for Elisha. But Elisha was determined to be with him no matter what, to be there for him the whole time. Second um, Kings 2 details this. Um, and as a result of this loyalty, not only does Elisha witness the miracles that God did through Elijah, and he was there when Elijah was taken away, but God, God then uses Elisha to go and do miracles in the future and take over the work that Elijah had been doing for him. You know, friendship is filled with hard moments at times that make us question, they can question whether or not the other person is worth our loyalty. Is it worth the, what we put into the relationship? But if we follow God's leading, we may well experience miracles that come from that because God has a plan for us in those relationships. And we need to listen to God's plan for the relationship rather than our own, own desires. <coughs> another relationship was Paul and Timothy, another mentoring relationship. Yeah? Um, the definition of a mentor is a wise and trusted counselor or teacher, an influential senior sponsor or supporter. Yeah? Their friendship thrived because of the mutual respect they had for each other. Yeah. Confident in Christ, they were both determined to spread the gospel. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6-7 to says, I've been reminded by your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in, and in, your, and in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Paul was talking about Timothy. Now, Jesus can bond two people together, two friends together, tighter than anything else can. Paul referred to Timothy as a son, that was the extent of their friendship. 
God calls us to look upon godly wisdom and then turn around and pass it down to others. God spreads his gospel truth by the way we live our lives individually and how we operate our friendships as well. Another friendship in the Bible, which is um, I thought would come up, but had didn't, was Ruth and Naomi. Um, yeah. There, Ruth is one of the daughters of Naomi. Naomi is an Israelite woman. She's left and gone to another part. Her sons have died. The husbands of the daughters have died in, in a fairly short space of time. Now, the world, of, the world around us can seem like it's crushing us sometimes. And in the most desperate space of our lives, we're tempted to entertain what anyone other than God says about us. Naomi was having a crushing moment such as this. Her first husband died. First her husband died, and within 10 years, her sons died too. For a woman at that time, there isn't any support left. You're now a victim. You now have nothing. You have no rights whatsoever. Um, yeah, Ruth chapter 1. She's desperate. She'd already left her land. She set off towards Judah, where she hoped that she would find some support. She'd heard that the Lord had come to the aid of his people in Ruth 1. She sent her daughters-in-law back to their mother's homes, but Ruth clung to her, the Bible tells us. Ruth wouldn't let her go without her. Although she didn't belong back in Judah, that would make Ruth an alien of that land, Ruth committed herself to looking after Naomi because she wanted to. And the effect on Naomi's relationship with God had impacted Ruth, as can be seen in Ruth 1.17. To the point where she actually turns around to Naomi and says, may the Lord deal with me ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And she meant it. And God steered them to a respectable farmer, who, upon hearing of Ruth's commitment to his distant relative, made sure Ruth was protected as she gathered wheat for making bread in the fields, as she walked around the edges of the field, picking up the odd ears that had not been harvested. He later married her, and she had a child, and Naomi cared for that child. It's a happy ending to a desperate situation because of one person's commitment of putting her love for the other person into action. And that other person was her mother-in-law, which normally doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> See, the men are laughing mainly that this, <laughs> the, uh, but, the, uh, but putting her love for that one person into action um, above any consideration of her own. She could have gone off, found a new husband, etc. But God worked it that it was a much better situation. Yeah. Other relationships in the Bible, like Paul and Mark. It's an interesting relationship, this. Mark and Paul's friendship teaches us never to write off someone as a friend. Mark had proven himself unreliable to Paul. In Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas, who have been incredible friends thus far, parted ways over their disagreement about Mark's character. Paul was ready to write off Mark, but Barnabas saw something in him to be developed. And as a result, Barnabas split up from Paul and they went their own ways with Barnabas taking Mark with him. Both Paul and Barnabas proved to be right about Mark. Paul was right in that Mark was, was not to come on the mission that had caused them to separate in the first place. Barnabas was also right 
because he saw the potential that eventually would develop over time. Later on, Mark joined the group of Christian-driven friends that Paul wrote to. Do your best to come to me quickly, Paul says. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Mark changed as a result of that separation, but Paul always had that eye on him, that relationship. Christ never writes us off, no matter what we do. Yeah? Though some of our friends, and we shouldn't write off other friends, we shouldn't write off friends just because of what they do. Yeah? Some friendships may not appear to last at all. Yeah? We might find the differences between ourselves too tough to handle, and the friendship just fizzles out. But it can still have a wonderful impact on our lives. Any friendship that doesn't last a long time can still have an impact, and it's up to us to get the value out of that uh, that friendship's why it's there, because it also may just come back again. You know, we can easily tie up with friends we haven't seen for a long, long time, ones that we weren't particularly close with or we fell out with, but with God, we're still there together. One, another relationship is uh, God and Moses, and Moses was a friend to God. The, he spoke to Moses through the burning bush in Exodus 3, and provided three miracles in order for Moses to overcome his fear to speak in front of Pharaoh. Still Moses begged the Lord to send someone else. What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well, he is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak. God gives us friends to help us accomplish what we are too fearful to accomplish on our own, or ill-equipped to accomplish on our own. Two friends operating in the faith the Father has given them are pretty unstoppable. The Lord equips them both, allowing Moses and Aaron to perform miracles. Do we know what miracles Aaron actually performed? The uh, staff that turned into a serpent. Staff that turned into a serpent. That was Aaron, not Moses. Okay. Turning the river into blood was Aaron, not Moses. No. Uh, stretching out his hand and the plague of frogs came was Aaron, not Moses. Moses was told to, told to tell Aaron to do these things. And once more, he was told to strike his staff on the ground to produce the plague of gnats, which he did. So Moses, Aaron actually ended up doing a lot of the miracles, not Moses. But God brought them together as a team. And no doubt there was tension between them at times when things didn't seem to be working well in the early times when Pharaoh was just saying no and he was putting more and more workload on the labourers. And there must have been huge tension between them. <coughs> but they stuck it out through those hard times and they witnessed miracles and they performed miracles or God performed miracles through them as they led their people out of Egypt. Another friendship was... Onesimus. Onesimus was a slave of Philemon, who had stolen from him. He'd stolen money from, or he'd stolen things from Philemon, and then fled, which was a crime punishable by death. But in his running away, Onesimus met Paul and became a Christian. The two became such close friends that Paul refers to Onesimus as my very heart, in Philemon chapter 1, verse 12.
a friend of Philemon, who, was, who the slave had stolen from, Paul writes to another friend on behalf of his new friend Onesimus, asking him, trying to restore what had been broken between them, the trust that had been broken between them, and even offered, if he has done any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Because Paul knew it was right for Onesimus to go back to his master, Philemon, but he wanted to make sure that he was going back with an understanding of who he was. You know, Paul lets Onesimus go on his way back to Philemon, but this time not as a slave, but also as a brother in Christ. You know, so often we can clutch at relationships which end up being seasonal. We can put ourselves completely into a relationship with somebody we meet, only for that person to leave and go elsewhere in a period of time. If we try to hold on to those relationships too tightly, it chokes what God is trying to do. You know, we can pray that the Holy Spirit nudges us when we have the opportunity to mend a broken bridge such as Paul did, instead of looking selfishly at what our friends can do for us. The effect that Paul had on this man's life is stated in Philemon, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. But Paul was happy to let him go. It was the right time. And we don't know what impact that had on the whole of Philemon's household from there. There's another relationship which I think was mentioned and that's Jesus and us. Yeah. Um, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. John 15. There's no greater friendship than the one between Jesus and us. It's the biggest friendship we can have. He knew us before we were born. He knew our character, what we'd be able to experience and accomplish in this world. He knew the sin that, that we would lay down at the foot of the cross, all of that before he bore those sins on him. The compassion he has for each of us in our struggles is complete. You are my friends, he says in John 15. Jesus came to save each of us, his friends. He loves us enough to go, he loved us enough to go through the excruciating pain he did of being a human on earth and dying a horrific death for his friends, which he says are us. Do you remember what, we, what he said in John 15? 16, you did not choose me, I chose you. For all our faults, he chose each and every one of us. And lastly, some thoughts and just some quotes from the scriptures. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this and someone lay down his life for his friends, which I've repeated. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another, lift to, not another to lift him up. Ecclesiastes. A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs. Iron sharpens iron. Better a rebuke than a hidden love. You know, true friends will do those things. Iron sharp and iron means we have, to, we have to scrape up against each other. 
we have to deal with issues. Yeah? Far better an open rebuke than just the comfort of not saying something when we can see that it's valuable to someone else. Those things shape true friendships according to the Bible. Those are the examples of the Bible that, tra- that shape true friendships. And true friendships, true, true friends will correct us if needed. I guess the question is, are we open to that? Are we open to being true friends? And if we're open to it, do we search for it? And if we want to have true friends, do we make it easy for that to happen? So those are the thoughts I'd like to leave us with this morning. And I'll just pray to that effect. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you, Father, for everything. Thank you, Father, for the insights you give us, Father. Thank you, Father, for your word from which we can gain these insights, the examples you've laid down, Father, that no question need to go unanswered, God. You've answered all the questions well in advance. There isn't anything out there that's left to be answered. We just need to go and not cherry-pick the answers, Father, but to take on the answers, apply them to our lives, and live the life that you've set out for us. God, we're still amazed that you love us, that you do this for us, that your son would come and die for us willingly. We don't know why, but we're so grateful that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.